Hi, Stan. Hey, Marshall. How are you? Good. Here we are with our Christmas sweaters. Yeah. Should we display them? What does yours say? Mine doesn't say anything, but it's got a horse, a unicorn, actually. The most magical of horses. <laughs> Better drawn than some of mine, I'm told. <laughs> and uh, there it is. I'm happy to wear this. It's a smile. It's a happy, well, kind of yeah. a crazy. What's yours? Mine says Mary and Dwight. Oh, it's yeah. the office. The office, yeah. The office. And for those who can't see this, they are splashes of beautiful green, mm -hmm. red. Yeah, I got white, some yellow and white. Black, and mine even has little gold speckles on it. And yours has yellow. <laughs> Yay for us. Okay. Wow, All right. What a great start. <laughs> it, <laughs> Go. Go roll. Yeah. What are we gonna do today? Okay, Marshall. This is part one of our finale for season one. Wow! This yes, must ladies be and gentlemen, we have seasons. That's right. This is season one, and there's gonna be a total of what twenty. 29 seasons. 29 episodes. Oh, 29, 29 seasons. episodes in one <laughs> That's season. That's ambitious. Yeah. Wow, we've done 29 of these. Wait, have we? Yeah, this is going to be... Is going to be 29? Yeah. Part two will be the 29th episode. So we're going to take a break for three months. January, February, March, we'll have no Draftsman episodes. Oh, I don't know how people are going to survive. I don't know how I'm going to survive. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I get for Christmas? No more draftsmen? Well, yeah, this isn't what you promised. <laughs> <laughs> you get paid. <laughs> it's the only promise I made you. <laughs> okay. We are starting a new YouTube channel for this podcast. We're yeah. splitting it off yeah. because season one was a success. Yeah. This will so, be, you mean Draftsman will be on a new YouTube channel? Yes. It'll be on the Draftsman podcast YouTube channel. Really? We've got a Draftsman podcast YouTube channel? Yeah. Okay. So, if you don't want to miss when season two comes out, go to YouTube or just click on that link in the description and subscribe now to that YouTube channel. Okay. Do it now. Do it. I'll do it. And then as soon as we start uploading season two episodes, when do they start? You'll be there. April, the first week of April. Okay. I'll trust to be alive and in good health. <laughs> God, uh, we really are risking a lot. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're, Merry we're, Christmas, everybody. Marshall, we are really Happy hoping holidays. and counting on you to be here next I year. hope so, too. All these people are going to subscribe and then... That's right. And they have to replace me. It'll be one episode. With some other old guy. <laughs> Announcement. So, what are we going to do in this episode? <laughs> Okay. Contemplate mortality, apparently. Well, I was thinking about how at the end of every episode, we ask people questions mm -hmm. and then we don't really do anything with those. It's true. And but that's partly because when we ask the questions, we don't read the questions until significantly later and then we've lost track of it all. So, yeah, they, they have accumulated though. We've got 26 weeks or 20 whatever it is weeks three of, we have 23 right now because we're recording this early and yeah episode 24 25 26 and 27 have not come out yet and so okay. we don't know what you're going to say to this yeah. 
So we're only up responding to episode one. But you have responded, and you've responded to the questions that we asked. There were a, whole, a million other comments that were not in response to the questions we asked. And those are not the ones we're going to respond to, although there were right. some good ones in there. Yeah. But there's so many that yeah, responded yeah, yeah. to us that we have to focus on something. Okay. So we're going to focus on responding to responses okay. of our question. I'm ready. This is going to take a long time. That's why this is part one. I'm in. Buckle up. Buckle up. Okay, here goes. All right. First one. Episode one. <laughs> Woo. That Season was back in, one. It came out June 4th. It was about the fear of critiques. Do you remember that or did you see that yesterday? No, I... I you remember that date? I remember a lot about God. what these things were about. I'm, I'm, no, but the date, June 4th. Oh, yeah, I do remember June 4th because I remember it was the date of the first one. I mean, you remember the date of the first no, one. No, I don't. You don't remember don't. the f- date of the... <laughs> these are... I, it was no. June 4th, My mind it? does not work that I don't way. Know. Okay, yeah. It was June 4th, 2019. I know it was summer. The first Draftsman podcast, famous for its awkward intro, something <laughs> a tradition we've kept up. <laughs> it's Keep celebrated going. now. The question we asked at the end of the episode was, do you love or hate getting critiqued? Also, what's your thing? (laughs) (laughs) We were pretty generous with the questions. Yeah, Yeah. we were just, we didn't know what to say. Yeah. The right critique from the right people is absolutely necessary for your growth and development as an artist. But the difficulty is, especially as a beginning artist, to differentiate between helpful and invalid critiques, which of course is often just not possible with the current skill set and knowledge you have. There are so many artists online, and I mean so many, that take roles of teachers and mentors while simply not understanding their craft and not realizing it. He, he goes for a long time about this general idea. Um, I want to read his conclusion, which also kind of is helpful. Okay. What I'm trying to say with this small podcast of my own, be smart about teaching, be smart about learning. There's shitty teachers all over the place, and people got to realize that they themselves might be one of them. Critique's important, knowing critiques is too. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, he's talking about how not everyone should give critiques. Some people don't give good critiques, including some really good artists. Yes. And I agree with that. So everybody has that responsibility of analyzing the critique that they are, they are given. Yeah. To And decide if this is objective or subjective. This You can give objective critique which may be less critical because it's objective you use in objective terms in fact that's a good way to learn to analyze is to start by describing things as objectively as possible and that way you're getting everything out on the table like a detective would where you say this is chrome it weighs so much it's so big this is paper this could deteriorate you're starting to put all the stuff out there that you're going to need to then later switch into the subjective mode and say i just don't like it it makes me feel uncomfortable or i it makes me feel uncomfortable in kind of a good way and then you are moving to how i feel about this thing that i've gotten my feelings out of the way first to objectively describe it then here's how i feel and then the next thing is to try to figure out why and then we are objectively looking at the engine. We are saying it doesn't sound right. It's lurching. There's something wrong with it. And then we're going to say, what can we do to fix that? Though that's, I mean, that's to me is a, a sound way, at least a procedure to go at it where you might do better than if you just immediately jumped into the subjective mode, which we do when we're not taking on the role of being a person who's there to help, 
of, of being a teacher. So that's advice for people giving critiques. That's advice yeah. for people giving critiques, but for the people who yeah. are seeking critique, then we move into what, how do you, what strangers do you trust? Don't talk to strangers, yeah. talk to some strangers. I mean, how do you know? I think everybody can analyze a critique and say, this was an opinion or this was rooted in some kind of knowledge about um, how things work. Mm -hmm. And if it's an opinion, then you can decide if you can trust this person's opinion or if you're not sure if you can trust it. If you're not sure, then ask someone else about it and get other people's opinions. If a bunch of people agree, then well, maybe then they were right. If Treat not, it like a physician. Get yeah. a second opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Get a second opinion. The way we do it in classes sometimes is that all a student wants is votes. That you put your work up, you put three options up. Here are my three thumbnails for this. How many of you like this one? How many of you like this one? How many of you like mm -hmm. this one? It's not unusual that there's an overwhelming preference for one over the others. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're evenly split. But the point is, there you are really just seeking if you had to make an impulse buy, which one is the one that you would impulsively go with and that can be valuable so that's asking only for subjective but it's also right. asking for collective subjective so that you're exactly. doing it's some market research of many people it's a group when you combine a bunch of subjective opinions you get something more objective yes which is what is the mob mentality yeah right. you're tapping <laughs> into the collective unconscious yeah. <laughs> that's malcolm gladwell's tipping point thing is that there things are going to go one way or another and that you as a person who's doing i'm doing this small part of a of a bigger thing but back to critiques and how to find yeah. someone who critiques well do you well, have anything in, i mean yeah. we did cover this pretty well yeah 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 we i don't want to go too deep into this the reason i wanted to bring this up is that because you know, with Proco 2.0 on the horizon, uh -huh. and one of the main features of that site is going to be people helping each other. Uh -huh. Is students critiquing Ooh, students? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be a big problem potentially it if is. it's not monitored correctly, and so it's going to be the responsibility of the people in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, me, my team, also the moderators and also the people in the community who want to help make sure this is something that stays helpful. It might people. turn it might turn into court trials. It might turn into what yeah. we you know you have done an absolutely awful critique and you must you must be accountable yeah. and for And so it. it's going to be important for everyone participating in that to understand this. Yes. That you might be getting a critique or an opinion of someone who just started. So yeah. this will be interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. I think it is still important to get critiques from the community, from people around you. I do too. Um, and there are drawbacks to it and it'll be interesting to find out. That's why I wanted to go over this. Okay, well, let me throw out. There's two extremes that could yeah. happen. One is survival of the fittest. Just let them fight. Let them put, <laughs> put it out there and see who dominates because they're the they're the most critical and people want to have their butt kicked and other ones who are the most nurturing and they're going to try. Just just let it all laissez-faire. This is how it's going to go out and don't intervene unless okay. you absolutely have to. The other is to make it so that there is some preparation and instruction, some principles, some things that we put up above us to say this is more important than my opinion mm -hmm. and, uh, and that there's some training training and guidance yeah. toward being better at it. There will be guidelines. We will have resources of 
you know, people who are joining the community, there's going to be resources that will be like, here's how you can help people. Here's yeah. how you give a good critique. We're going to have that stuff. And good. If it goes off the rails, we'll just send you in to declare martial law. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I will have fulfilled my destiny. I was <laughs> named for this. Can your username be martial law? Well, we'll see about that. Yeah. I got martial art, so maybe it should be mm, martial, martial law. Art. Maybe so. Whoa. Maybe somebody's already got it. We'll see. No. It doesn't no. exist. Yeah. Two point. Wait, what? No, someone's already got it. Oh, my it? username. I always think of my, that I changed my whole persona. No, just your username. Just, that'd You're... be my website and everything. You could still put your real name on there. It'll still be Marshall okay. Vandrup, but then your username. Marshall, Marshall. Law. Oh, wow. And I got a horse here. And I've been watching Westerns <laughs> and the whole. <laughs> I hope that if in Proco 2.0, there's critiquing going on. I hope that some of you, because in a healthy community, you've got people of all sorts of gifts and some people who are not the best artists might have a really good eye. One of yeah. my friends from childhood is, uh, has been a marriage and family therapist for years. And she told me about a woman who had never gone through the formal training, but that everybody went to because she could listen to whatever was going on with you. And she could pause for a moment and say, I think you should take up pottery or tennis or you need to travel. You need to travel to a country that you've never wanted to go to. She had a gift hmm. for knowing what this person needed. And the reason why she was popular is because everybody who took her advice found out that that was what she needed. She had an instinct for it without formal training. So there may be some people who've got a gift for guiding students toward their best work, which would be a great thing to have happen in the community. I'm hoping for that. Yeah, I'm hoping for that too. There's, there's, but you want to move on, so let's move there's on. There's two more comments in this episode that I've selected. Should I read it too? Yes, you should read it. Critiques from fellow artists who are at least at your level or higher are always welcomed. Opinions, on the other hand, I, are, I welcome by all. But lately, I've gotten to a point where I would do an artwork for a designated amount of time. After that time run, runs out, I call it finished and seal it forever. I do that because after I call a piece done, People keep on giving their feedback and opinion. And honestly, I get a little overwhelmed and confused. One person doesn't like that and it's blue and the other person doesn't like the composition. All subjective things. And I'm so obsessed with making something that is loved and cherished by all that it just drives me nuts. It's why I stick strictly to realism because in that style, there is a right and wrong. Man, if I were to develop and work in my own style, the majority of the critiques will be just subjective opinions and I'll take that as a negative and try to change my style to make the viewers happy. But once you work in a non realistic manner the option to make everybody pleased is out the window so for now realism is fun it's a big challenge to make it look believable and right maybe in time I'll probably get bored by it and develop my own style but by then I'll be experienced enough to not give a damn about what others think well do you have some this I think this just kind of hits a lot of points we talked about during the episode there is the motive of why I'm not doing anything but photorealism fear anxiety don't want to deal with the response. But that's not necessarily bad in the same way that, you know, there's a storm outside. I think I'm not going to go out. I'm going to focus on this safe thing in here. I'll go out later when I'm ready for the storm. I, I mean, I, I am sensing there's some fear of what if people don't like my work? I've got a tremendous need to be liked. Most yeah. of us do. Yes, I'm sensing that in that comment as well. I don't think that doing only realism is just based out of fear though this person maybe yeah 
I think that some people could do realism because it's safe and they enjoy it and that's totally fine. Okay, I'm ready to move on. Okay. I like walking barefoot. I don't know how that's related because it's, it's just because kind of... I was, I was barefoot somewhere in there. Yeah, and then I think it depends on who you ask for critique. That dude that always smokes pot gives me amazing feedback. My best friend mocks me for drawing hentai. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay. It's called hentai and it's art. People on the hentai sites I am posting try to help me, but they range from novice to average, so it's hard to take them seriously when they themselves get rejected 10 times for the same piece. But the moderators that reject some of my art pieces only sell the main reasons like anatomy error, quality not good enough, but don't go into detail at all. Still, I'm grateful for any feedback. I try to challenge myself, but lately, like since the last three to five finished works, I don't care that much anymore. <laughs> Just get so worn out from being critiqued, I guess. Yeah. I liked his part about the dude that smokes pot gives him amazing feedback. Who is that dude that smokes pot? And his friends just mock him. <laughs> who, who is that dude who smokes pot? Is that somebody we oh, know? It's just, just someone he knows. Probably. Oh, okay. You know, it's that guy okay, that smokes yeah, pot all the time. Yeah, but probably, it's just like... Yeah, someone he knows in real life. Has amazing ideas and gives yeah. you really good feedback. And you're just like, whoa, I didn't think about that. And then your friends who you enjoy hanging out with just make fun of you for what you do. I think that's interesting that... You can go to someone who you wouldn't think could give you good feedback, yeah. but ends up giving you really good feedback that you just yeah. totally did not expect. Yes. And so we should not assume. We shouldn't just go to the trusted sources. I agree. We should ask anyone who comes our way if they're willing to give feedback. Well, there's the asking anyone and then discerning who is the one you elect. Yeah. Yes. Most of them will probably not be worthwhile, but then you'll get that one guy that smokes pot that just says something that blows you away. Yeah. He's unlocked the secrets of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I recommended Bullets Over Broadway so highly, is that that story is a story that has some unfolding of something just like this. And, uh, and amusingly so, and very believably so, the kind of thing I've seen happen over and over. You don't expect that the greatest wisdom is going to come from the person who seems least qualified for it. So I think that you should, it, you know, the badges that we have, I'm an official teacher, I'm a successful mm -hmm. artist, whatever else, those are badges, acknowledge the badge, but never trust the badge. Right. Because you can get the person who's going to do you the best is a person who may not have that badge at all. Yep. And it's finding that. Uh, you find it with healthy relationships in general, I think. Some people know not to push that button when that person's in that state. Uh, I think Christiana Kubrick and, and Stanley Kubrick had some of that where they recognized, you know, that she was a painter and he was a filmmaker. And you learn when to and when not to have opinions depending on the person's emotional mm -hmm. state. <laughs> yet, yet, you do have opinions. Uh, so yeah, finding finding your healthy community. It's, that's what yeah. all of this comes down to, doesn't it? You're trying to find the people in your life that give you the best feedback yeah, and then prize them. There were two pretty funny comments in episode one yeah. um, that referred to us as Walter White and Jesse Pinkman. Prophecies. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. 
One of them says, Walter White, Jesse Pinkman, leave the meth business behind and start an art podcast. Another one, it's like Walter White, Jesse Pickman having casual conversation about meth for upcoming crackheads. Oh, they picked it up quickly, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. you, you know, there was there were a couple other people, though, who saw similarities of characters that I didn't know. And I looked up one of them and I couldn't believe it. Panda. Pa- yeah, Ninja, yeah, yeah, Ninja yeah, yeah. It was Panda. From Panda. Yeah, it was from Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. <laughs> Ninja Panda. <laughs> that was it. Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, I'm that. I'm that turtle guy. I'm the rat or what is it? The sheep? Yeah. yeah, you're the rat. Yeah. And I'm the turtle guy. None of us are the panda. No, no, but that's okay. <laughs> there was one comment that compared my laugh to Marge Simpson's laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It's a All real right. laugh. Uh, episode two was about focus and discipline, right? The question we asked people was, what helps you guys stay focused, stay focused and disciplined? And disciplined. Yeah, we I got read some strange all responses. The responses. Yeah, I read were, through the ones There were had. a lot, and mm-hmm. I summarized okay, all the things that people said. All right. The advice to help people stay focused and disciplined. And there were, I, I created a list of 18 things. Want to read, read through them? I'll just read them. So this is what I summarized. These are all the commenters' responses. Okay. Number one, and I did also try to prioritize them based right. on how many people said it. Unplug, no interruptions, isolation. Get your phone out. Someone even said something about turning off your doorbell. <laughs> I thought that was funny because I don't know. You can't. They all still exist. I don't think you can do Enter that. Enter your deprivation chamber. Number two, set a timer or time boxing. I do that. It's like you give yourself a time limit for a specific task. Is that what time boxing means? I think Is so. that you, you within this box around I'll do tasks? It. Yeah. Yes. Number three, plan tomorrow scheduling. It's a similar idea, but planning tomorrow specifically. So at the end of your day, plan what you're going to do tomorrow before tomorrow happens. Yeah. Have an idea of what you're going to do when you wake up so that when you wake up, you're not looking for things to do on your phone or, you know, an email or on social media. You don't allow external forces to decide what you're going to do. You already know what you're going to do and you just start doing it. Great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Number four, just start plan for only doing it for five minutes right because the hardest part about doing these things is just starting yeah and you only plan for five minutes and after five minutes you can stop if you want but most of the time you won't stop yeah because you're you've gotten started because stopping is now hard (laughs) yeah right (laughs) changing what you're doing is difficult body in motion and at rest so you trick yourself just say "Ah, it's five minutes okay good number five take breaks rejuvenate recharge what other synonyms are they <laughs> i understand the concept six clean comfortable space Ooh. something where it's easy to just start working we did a whole episode on this i think right yeah that your creativity yeah. or one of your first challenges of creativity is to design your space so that it's maximized for creativity yeah oh this one's pretty much the same thing dedicated space for work only so a space where as soon as you sit in it you're in that zone because you don't do anything else in that space. Yeah. It's kind of like that idea of sleeping in your bed. If you watch TV, play video games, um, go on social media in your bed, it is no longer just a place where you sleep. You muddle up the role of the bed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, your brain get, you know, you get habits. And so when you get into bed, do you all of a sudden get sleepy because your brain is like, oh, it's sleep mm-hmm. time or do you start going on your phone because your brain says oh it's time for tv and social media yeah 
And so it's the same with this workspace. As soon as you sit down, you, your brain knows time to focus. A separate place ritually dedicated to that. Yeah. And keep it very sacred because it is. Good tools. Let me throw something in yeah. there. When uh, Airbrush was an unpleasant medium to me, I did not like it. And then there was a point in the 80s when these airbrushes called Iwata airbrushes came out. And they were affordable and they were really, really well made. Better than any of the ones previous, the Pache's and those others, Thayer Chandler's and that kind of thing. But I remember getting several of those airbrushes. And even though I did not like airbrushing, they were so well made and they just handled so well that I actually started to enjoy it a bit. Good tools, okay. yeah. Yeah, sometimes good tools make a difference, but not when you're starting out. Tell me. Well, when you're starting out, the biggest thing that's going to make a difference is gaining your skills. Yeah. In fact, Corky Carroll, who writes a column in the Orange County Register about surfing, talks about, he's more, written more than one article on the value of learning to surf on bad waves. Because if you can surf on bad waves, you're going to do better on, on good waves. Stick, barbecue charcoal, white sidewalk, whatever it takes. Yeah. Once you understand the fundamentals, you'll, you'll know how all these little differences in the tools can actually be used to your advantage. Yeah. When you're starting out, they're just random things that you have no idea why this tool is like this and this one's like this. And so it could actually just be a distraction. Start with something simple. Yeah. Few minutes to prepare everything you'll need. Yeah, so before you start working, Make sure everything's in order. You got all the tools you're going to need um, so that you're not stopping all the time to go get something new, something else you're going to need to keep going. Like when you're doing a painting, some people like to premix a lot of their colors mm -hmm. that they know they're going to be doing. And so that while they're painting, they're not spending every minute, every other minute mixing. They've got these batches mixed and they could be in a more, you know, in a flow. It makes it easier once you get started. You don't have to stop it. Yeah. And then if you run out of paper towels and you have to go to the garage and get more paper towels and then you need to get more turpentine, whatever, like all those things get you out of the flow. So. Yes. And there's another advantage to uh, that preparation ritual is that it becomes a ritual that gets you in the mood too. Yeah. That you wouldn't want to be without it actually because this is where my brain waves start to change. I'm doing this, this, this. It's like... The routine of putting on makeup before going out and doing theater mm. that i am sitting down and going into another state now and then when it starts we're on it's it's a performance yeah. so there is that you sometimes you don't want to take away some of those inconvenient or you know five to ten minute preparation rituals yeah, i like that get your shit in order clear mind of stress i think that's very similar to keeping your space clean mm -hmm. um but i think specifically i forgot who said it but in the comments they're talking about Getting your shit in order, meaning pay your bills and, and clean your dishes and, you know, make sure every, there's nothing on your mind that you still need to do. That helps this person. To me, that actually doesn't, I can forget very easily. In fact, uh -huh. I don't have a choice. I forget everything. Uh -huh. And so I could sit down in my, my workspace, which is sacred uh -huh. to me, and I forget everything that's happening in my life and I'm focused. Great. And so, to me, this one doesn't actually help very much. If I have unpaid bills and my dishes are dirty, 
they could be in my sink for months and I will not care. Yeah, it's also hardly advice. It's more of an observation that getting those other things off your mind is useful, but it can hardly be advice because, well, sometimes you can't get those things off your mind and you can't get those bills paid and you do have things encroaching. Right. And you have to say, I am going to go in a place where I'm not going to think about that. I can think about it plenty later. Yeah. You know, I was listening to Seth Godin's podcast this morning mm -hmm. and he was talking about how we have things in our day that we always do. They're like, they're musts. We don't even think of some they're, them as options. It's like eating lunch. It's like, you know you're gonna eat lunch today. It's a given. It's a given. And so you choose what those givens are. If, you, if the things that you choose as your givens are getting all of those things out of your mind, washing your dishes, cleaning your room, mm -hmm. all that stuff, by mm -hmm. the end of the day, you're out of time. Mm -hmm. And so why not switch it, start with the work that you want to get done, mm -hmm. create the creative work, the, mm -hmm. the stuff that you think you don't have time for, and make those your must set in stone. And the clean, you know, washing the dishes and all that stuff are your, if I have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> Building a house of cards. <laughs> that, I mean, I get it. Like that you have to kind of use uh common sense with that yeah the but the idea makes sense it does, right i i know of a, a bachelor's <laughs> apartment that uh that they got their work done for for their projects but they almost was almost a point of pride that over a month without washing dishes <laughs> you, could, oh, you could not walk into that apartment but that's the price you pay, I guess. Yeah, yeah there you go. That proves commitment. We choose what we don't have time for. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Number 11, surround yourself with inspirational stuff. Cool. I like yeah. that. Number 12, music, podcasts. Is that inspirational stuff? No, that's a totally different one. Okay. It's just things that get, you know, advice for staying focused. Yeah. Number 13 is silence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but number 12 is music and podcasts. I love now, those silent podcasts. I know you said during that episode that, hey, how do you really know that music helps you be more productive and stay focused? Mm -hmm. Have you tried doing it with that music? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what, Marshall? <laughs> Tell me. I don't care. Really? If music makes me less productive. Because you enjoy it. I enjoy it. It makes me want to come back tomorrow and do it again. If I was working in silence all the time, I would not want to come back to work. Okay, that makes sense. This is reminding me of a friend of mine who was giving me advice for a period of a number of months about diet and all that garbage you put in your body and had opinions about everything, including uh, that never go in the jacuzzi and taking showers, taking hot showers and then the chlorine. And, you, and I, I started to realize that everything, it's like everything you do is going to hurt you. And he was sitting there eating pizza from a fast food joint. And I said, you're telling me that that's good for you? He said, no, it isn't good for me, but I don't care. It's worth it. <laughs> so we have their attitude right yeah. this is it but also to me i don't think that music non-lyrical music is actually bad like i don't think it'll actually hurt my productivity because i, I want to compare it to nature if you go outside 
to some park where without cars and all this noise around you, but just like a park where you hear birds and all that stuff. Are you going to be less productive because you hear these birds? Oh, no. And I don't think I, I don't think that you should do things in silence. I think that it should be experimented with to see okay. what works best, because I think that most people just do it the way they've always done it uh-huh. and haven't ventured out okay. to try it with silence, to try it with non-lyrical music. They did research years ago. I yeah, remember hearing I agree about with the it, non-lyrical, yeah. especially when I'm writing scripts. I notice myself yeah. not being able to think of words as well because right. words are just being slammed into my ears. Yep. But non-lyrical music, I think, is just like being part of your environment. Mm-hmm. I don't think of it as like a multitasking thing that's taken up my brain. Yeah. It's just, it's there. I can't get rid of my environment. And music makes my environment better to me. I understand. Probably uh, more productive. Yeah, I hope I didn't come off as someone who was... Uh, well, you sour. did. Did I? <laughs> no. Well, maybe I should, maybe I should admit... <laughs> Repent. When we had the, what we called the monkey work, scratching gradations was what it usually was for me because there were so many hours of gradation. Sometimes oh, it was just yeah, yeah. cutting masks for hours and it, all it was was monkey work. I, this was before cell phones. This was where it was, everything was landlines. And I had a speaker What's phone. What's a landline? Landline is a thing that you don't use, you can't just use <laughs> unless you're at home. And, and I had a speaker phone and I also had headset phones and so did my colleagues, other illustrators. And for decades we had long 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 conversations maybe thousands of hours of conversations it was my social life and each one of us were in our studios was your social media it was but it was like right there you've got this person's voice in your ear and you're speaking it to them no no that's why we used uh, headset phones and speaker phones because we would get our work done but we also all honored the uh, I'm done with the monkey work. I have to do some planning. I have to do some mm. stuff. And so that it was always okay that, you know, I might not talk to you t- till tomorrow if you've got that kind of thing to do. But we were all yeah. in key with that, that sometimes I'm here with you. Sometimes I'm in my own zone and I've got to be out of it. Cool. And it was also, it was called kind of a secret club, but you know, the freelancers understood this. Other people didn't understand it. We were the ones who were working for our living and sort of in each other's studios. Cool. Yeah. Pretend to be disciplined. <laughs> Was this that one? Yeah, that's comment? a fake it till you make it. Wait, let me see if I could read that one. Oh, here's this one was from Rao Rododo. I trick my mind. I pretend to be disciplined. I'm supposed to do 12 hour drawing sessions every day. That's what he tells himself. However, I allow myself to get distracted with three hours of entertainment scattered throughout the 12 hours. Almost always I fail at completing the 12 hour drawing session but I end up drawing around eight hours every day. Also, before finishing my drawing session of the day, I choose what is going to be my first drawing of the next day. Yeah, that's the... That's like Bobby Chu's, uh, everybody says, get in on the ground floor. I think you should try to get in on the top floor. That way, if you miss, you land on the seventh floor. So what if it didn't do all 12 hours? Yeah. You did three. Yeah. Uh, Wake up early, meditate, exercise. Those are all separate things. But I, I think they all go together. How would you clump them together? I mean, what, what? One right after the other. Oh, okay. Wake up early, meditate, and then exercise. Okay. <laughs> morning routine. Yeah, morning routine. Do that. Uh, and 18, good lighting. Yeah. Just light your studio well. You don't want to blind yourself. Marshall, can you read this comment from Will Morrow? I thought it was very... A huge help to me was a few years ago when I noticed that half my living space was dedicated to my Xbox. 
I had my games and my TV all set up, but I drew on the bed like a hobo. I also played <laughs> video games way too much. So what I did was pack up all my video games and my TV, which was hard because I just started Arcan City. <laughs> and packed it deep in the closet, vowing not to touch them for a month. By the time my month was up, the addiction was beat and I wound up giving the TV away. My Xbox is set up in another room and I only play once or twice a week at most. I have a draft table and a computer desk where my gaming setup used to be. Oh man, it gives chills. That, I think that's what you that's said. That's my comment. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Wait, did you just skip yeah, well, over to I, No, I read your comment last night and it was just echoing back to yeah. me. I, I seriously got the chills after I read that. I was like, whoa. He did it. It like ran through my arms. Yeah. It's inspiring. That's cool. Major change. You just decide one day. He chose like, it. God damn it, I've had enough. What happens in your life to get that into motion? You're asking me? Yeah. I can't tell you. That's something that came up with these other episodes. I'm curious, Will. What was it that sparked it? Probably like a moment of self-reflection. A like, moment? Really, this is what I'm doing with my time? Yeah. Maybe he asked the girl out and she said no. Or he watched the movie yeah. that he really liked. And he's like, oh, yeah. It would be interesting. But you're trying to get more scientific about this. And look, where, I'm just curious. where this, there was a point there that something happened that everybody else is looking to say, can I have that happen to me? Yeah. What I did you that. eat just before? What did you listen to just before? What happened? Yeah, what happened? I want to know. I want to. I want to complete the story. My work area. I tape up every drawing I do on the walls, going from left to right around the room, both good and stinkers. Reviewing my good drawings regularly, just stopping while walking past them, allows me to be aware of where they can be improved, and I feel good. Reviewing my bad drawings regularly in passing keeps me grounded and I also find jewels of goodness in them that make me realize they aren't 100% bad, which keeps discouragement at bay. Additionally, I send photographs of my work every week to a collection of friends to ensure there is a constant heartbeat to my practice. Wow, I just yeah. thought it was great. Yeah. This person who is applying, whether they're conscious of it or not, the yin-yang of good work, bad work. But the good work isn't perfect and the bad work isn't all bad so they've got this division with the uh, awareness of not oversimplifying it and then they've got this other thing that regularly I have a rhythm that my mm -hmm. friends will see it and so if I break that rhythm I'll be aware that I'm no longer walking no longer moving so let's keep the rhythm going yeah it's just I th just thought it was a wonderfully little written thing from League Nog I like the heartbeat idea a lot of people use Instagram as their heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Yeah. It's a heartbeat that your your community, your fans can all tap into. If you miss a to. beat, you pay attention. If you miss several beats, <laughs> you're dead. You might want to pay close attention. Yeah. I want to say one other thing because somebody else mentioned uh in fact it was the last comment. Have your drawing materials out and ready to go next to where you usually sit. I clip a pile of cheap paper to a board and have an open box of pencil charcoal within arm's reach. No preparation needed. Just reach out and go. Yeah. This is the complementary wisdom to the ritual of preparation is that you just it's always easy for you to start. That's why carrying a sketchbook with you and having one simple thing that doesn't have to, you don't have to bring out the inkwell to dip it in is great because if you are waiting in any kind of 
we're waiting for the mechanic to do the work in the doctor's office or whatever, you've always got that five to 20 minutes that's invested. Yeah. I feel like a five minute ritual is still easy to start. A reason I don't paint as much is because for me, it's very hard to start. Yeah. My easel is not even set up where it's supposed to be. Yeah. My paints are dried up and I have to use pliers to... <laughs> yeah. My brushes are all scattered because I, I don't have a place for them right now yeah. in transition of this, you know, in the studio. Also because I've decided that I'm going to record everything I do. I'm mm. going to, I'm going to have a camera on anything I So there's draw no preparation time. And so it's like, okay, now I got to set up the camera, make yeah. sure the microphone's on. I got to put, you know, or ask Brandon to do it. But even then it's like, before I start, I have to have some, you know, either Brandon help me set it up. That's difficult to start. It's an obstacle course. Yes. So compared to that, a five-minute ritual is easy to start. Yeah. There's so. a, a great courses that I've been watching by a guy named Joel Sartori that we've been enjoying. And he has gotten some wonderful photographs for National Geographic. And one of the things that he makes a point of from the beginning is some of his best photographs happened by luck almost by accident that that thing happened at the point. But he, he said that a good deal of it is going into, I can't remember what he called it, a loaded situation, a, a visually loaded situation or something like that. And you are prepared. You've got your camera with you. You've got your camera with you. It's easy to have your camera with you. It's easy to turn it on. It's easy to use it. You're out there seeking when other people are doing other things. And so luck, 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 if it only happens six or seven times a day, it happened when you were ready to receive it. Yeah. So there was, there's the, uh, the, the idea of I am doing what I can to set the stage so that it's easy to get started. You're still going to have to open up your tubes and put your paint out on your palette. You can't you have it ready all the time. Otherwise, it's going to dry up before you get there. If you're working with paint. That's one of the reasons why watercolor yeah. got so popular in England uh, is that it became portable. It was the portable medium. It was hardly considered a serious medium, but they went ballistic with selling them after the Industrial Revolution. It's like, we're going to manufacture these portable kits. You can go out to the country when the weather is good and you can paint out in the country easily. Well, where does this go? I think we're wrapped up with number two. That was a good one. Episode three, we asked the audience, What's the biggest art career mistake you've ever made? Let us know. Make it public so the trolls can make fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> like One person we did. actually took us literally we and did. started making fun of everyone that your turn. Told. It was their duty. Yeah. Someone had to do it. <laughs> it was pretty funny. He was good about it though. Then he cause he then uh told his biggest mistake and said, Bring it on, people. Okay. <laughs> it was funny. Um I created a list summarizing this one as well. A lot of people said starting too late is their biggest mistake. Yep. Uh, not drawing enough. Yeah. Yeah. Not focusing on fundamentals. That's the one I see the most often. Oh, really? Okay. And procrastination. So, yeah, just not doing enough drawing and not doing it early enough is people's biggest regret. So start now. So, yeah, now that you've heard it. Yeah. The younger you are, the more you've got good things ahead. Mike Ames says, art mistake numero uno, 
chewing gum while looking at a newly arrived airbrush gouache painting, and the tiniest little drop of spit landed directly in the middle of the gradient sky and left a mark. My art director boss was not happy. Yeah. That's, that's where you hire a retoucher. How? Oh, you can do I did a lot of that kind of thing. You can retouch a gradient? You can go in there I mean, with I a guess. brush and you do you do it little surgery. It won't be perfect. It won't, but it won't be noticeable either. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I did lots of that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, that was monkey work. Well, it was still a big mistake. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm sorry for you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, Mike. And I'm glad you're doing well. Enough to joke about it. Which one do you want to move on to next? Well, this thing of uh, giving up on my artistic dreams and uh, uh, thinking I did not have to practice because people told me I was good and screw you, Dad. Some of these are, are big things that have affected people's entire lives. Believing that I had talent because people told me that early in life and thinking I did not have to practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I mentioned that, I forgot what episode it was, but that I noticed that, you know, people who had a natural inkling to it. And I think Eric and, and Jeff, my teachers, talked about this a lot as well because they saw a lot of kids go through that school. That, like the ones that come in and are really good and don't have to try too much, eventually, once they get into the workforce or whatever, get become professionals, no matter what, you have to work hard. Yeah. And, the, and they don't have the habit to do that. That's Whereas right. Whereas the ones that come in having to work hard because they don't, it doesn't come natural to them. It's not easy. They develop that habit and they, they pass up the people that are just talented. The best is the combo. Is that, yes, to have talent <laughs> and, to be, and to work hard and say, I've got yeah. to be better. And yeah. that's you. No, that's, uh, that's no? thinking of Norman Rockwell. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. Because he's somebody who produced great work all through that career. Yeah. And he was he got good when he was by the time he was twenty, he was proving that he could do it. Mm. So yeah, but there is uh there's something about uh not struggling out of the cocoon because someone else is saying, Oh, you know, you're so beautiful, we'll just cut you out. You don't have to do the work. <laughs> we'll just we'll cut you out. <laughs> that was what are you laughing at? That's, a, that's good. That's a good way to look at it. It's Thank a fun you. visual image. Yeah. It's funny. We might have talked about this before, and I haven't verified it, but I do know that we were making a list many years ago of favorite guitar players, and we noticed one of them was missing a finger, and then one of them had a damaged finger, and then we found out there was a third one who had a hand problem. And it, this, these were ones that they'd had before they became great guitarists. And the fourth that one didn't have hands. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the blind pitcher and the... Uh, Played with his feet. Yeah. Uh, Beethoven did. Beethoven composed his best work. Well, it's hard to say, but he, he composed greater and greater works as he went on, and he was too deaf to be able to hear performances of them. He was not completely deaf, as people think. And so how did he do it? Well, he, if he was to have heard an orchestra, he could not have discerned the instruments. Yeah. But that was after he was great. After he was great. But the, so. uh, the point is that you have to work harder sometimes. And so you rise to the occasion to work mm -hmm. harder. And if that's happening earlier yeah. in your stages, it means you're getting stronger. Oh, there's another example. It's how people water trees, that when they're saplings, you don't overwater them mm -hmm. because you want the roots to have to struggle to get down lower and get a better grip. And that way, giving them a little deprivation so they've got to work harder makes them a stronger tree. Is that uh, an analogy for raising kids? 
Uh, it's a whole other subject when you bring it up to raising kids because that's where it can turn into, all right, I'm not going to feed you for a week. Wow. You gotta, the world is tough. I need to well, beat you every day. You feed them just enough. But yes, but that's exactly what that kind of thinking is what leads the person who is abusive to justify their actions. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, mm. yeah, let's not apply it to okay. Okay. raising children. Let's just apply it to how you get your skills. Uh, if everybody's telling you you're talented, say, well, then I have a responsibility to do better, to work harder. That was episode three. Wait, no. No, there's another? Don't you dare stop it before I read this rap. What's this rap? <laughs> Someone wrote a rap. Are you going to sing it? A rap song. Oh, okay. Rhythmic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, belt it out or whatever I'm you do. I'm going to read rap. it. Wrap it out. Okay. Proko looking like a rapper in that hoodie. Ayo, my name is Proko. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. <laughs> but, I make other pros go low. He should have said, I make other pros go loco. It rhymes more with Proko. Yeah, you're fixing it already. Yeah. Let me start over. Yeah, I'll say And I'm going to correct it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Proko looking like a rapper in that hoodie. Ayo, hey, my name is Proko. I make other pros go loco. Have more colors than Rothko. So fresh, just brought a new logo. Teaching you how to coordinate your hand's eye. Dedicated to education, I got more gestures than gang signs. <laughs> wow, you're really talented at this. What? I didn't write that. Oh, I mean, yeah, but reading it, you did it great. Oh, shut up. God, that was, that was so cringy. <laughs> it makes us, it you humanizes you. You have to really go you. for it. You're kind I of an can't. icon. It'll be even more cringy if I go for it. That would be better though. <laughs> you want to try? Yeah, bring it over here. I'll do it. You don't remember it? No, Why don't you come here and do it in the good mic? <laughs> I'm not going to do it on the screen. Why not? I did. All right. I'll, this I'll might do be it. turning into it. one of those things that each person tries to jump over the brook. Can you And then try the one? next person tries to jump over the brook. And then somebody says, we should be trying to jump over canyons. And then that's how everybody ends up getting hurt. I'm yeah, not sure I'll how do it. we I should push rappers. this. I'll do it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Charlie is not my son. I want to say that, but he is, is good enough looking to be, and I feel good about the comparison. All right, here goes. Proko looking like a rapper in that hoodie. Ayo, my name is Proko. I make other pros go loco. Have more colors than Roko. So fresh, just brought a new logo. Teaching you how to coordinate your hands eye. Dedicated to education. I got more gestures than gang signs. Woo-hoo-hoo. Oh. You didn't like it, Stan? I... Marshall. <laughs> or do you feel embarrassed because he I am embarrassed. Oh, okay. Then maybe we should cut this out. <laughs> it might be just too much of a price to pay. Or we keep going and you do it no, too. No, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it's <laughs> not going to happen. That's <laughs> no, why. It's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, that's the end of episode three. <laughs> Here comes episode four, which just has one comment. In okay. It. Let's go to episode four. Well, we four. chose one comment. And okay. only just because it's James Gurney's comment. And we can't skip oh, well, over James cannot. Gurney's comment. James Gurney is important. He yeah. is important in our lives and in many of our students' lives. We asked them, what are the fundamentals? Did we miss anything? What are your favorite fundamental drawing books? James Gurney says, mm -hmm. thanks for mentioning my book in YouTube. It's true. We mentioned his uh, 
color and light. Both of his books. Imaginative realism. Mm-hmm. It's a big honor coming from you two guys. The podcast is great. May I recommend a few other books for fundamentals? Vanderpool's Figure Drawing, Harold Speed's books on drawing and painting, Nathan Falk's books on portraits, Richard Williams' book on animation, The Illusion of Life by Johnston and Thomas, and Scott Robertson's How to Draw and How to Render. It's a lot of really good books. I Did know, we really not mention any of those? Uh, well, episode? you know, you can't mention everything. But I guess Illusion so. of Life was a six-month read for me. I lived in that book for a while. I don't have that one. Yeah. It's Did, got great stuff in it. it? It's, it's, it's poorly edited, mm. but it's got great stuff in it. Okay. I know all of these except Nathan Falk's book on portraits. I saw Nathan Falk's yesterday. I have that one. Yeah. Have you not co- seen it? No, I haven't seen oh, it yet. Oh man, you I should, will. I'll show you after this. Vanderpool's book. Great. Did we talk? Did we not talk about Vanderpool's we book didn't in, the, in the in the not even in the anatomy one? We didn't because he's Vanderpool real good with planes. <laughs> How about Harold Speed's book? Have you read that? No, no. I have, and I've taken stuff out of it that I fit into classes. Mm-hmm. But I also felt like it was called the Practice and Science of Drawing, and it okay. was quite scientific and quite mm. uh, might be for me. It might be, yeah. In fact, you might take a liking to it. But you already teach a number of things that he's got that are in there because his stuff's had a, sure. a real influence on the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And he did nice drawings too. That's one of the things that attracted me to it is that I liked his style. It looks a little like what you do. It looks like what came from Watts Atelier. You know, it's got that really? kind of, yeah, tasty placement of line and tone. Tasty. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Classy, tasty. <laughs> appealing let's move on to episode five why don't we let's move on to episode five i agree also a one comment episode oh yeah okay it's another one of those episodes that were pretty much just like a list of things okay that i figured like it's just it's we're just gonna read a giant list mm-hmm. of either books or or artists and people could just go read that list on yeah. youtube so but i have one comment from this one the question was who are your art parents and chiloy says, I'm sticking with the old masters, Van Dyke, Gentileschi. I've never heard of that artist. Is that, no, I don't, I I don't know by name, no. Okay. Uh, and Sargent. Then I am currently adopting styles of my cousins, Louis Lorenzana and Alex Ross. The reason I pulled this comment is because he calls them his cousins. He it's is. It's an interesting concept. Carrying the metaphor. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, I do too. You can have your art parents and then you have your art cousins. That's right. I was sort of surprised that a person or two objected to the idea of art parents. A lot of people responded really positively oh, to yeah. it too. It's this is something that I get to choose my art parents. Number six, what schedule hack do you use to make more time for drawing? This is similar to produ- being productive. In, and yeah. again, this is one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, you like this. Okay. I like these things. I made a, a long list again. You I like summarized, but you I sure summarized did. it. Okay, I read all the comments. Read them, and I've summarized it for you guys so that you don't have to. Read them, Stan. There's eleven. Okay. Schedule hacks to draw more. Number one, less sleep, which is stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> Get up early. Better idea, but you go to sleep earlier too. You don't just get less sleep. Number two, sleep enough. Well, that's a kind of what you were just doing. I kind of just said that, but it's the opposite of less sleep. Yeah. Sleep enough. 
And because the, you'll be more productive if you sleep enough. And the next one's going to be don't sleep too much. <laughs> and then the next one's going to be and sleep too much sometimes. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, no, number three is draw on the train to work. Several people said this. I live in San Diego. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no public transportation. Okay. People drive everywhere. So we're ruining the world. I wish I no seriously when I was in New York and we were filming we were there for three weeks Brandon three weeks three yeah and we filmed um Cornelia Hernandez, Stephen Bauman and mm -hmm. Zoe Dufour mm -hmm. we were, and they were all in very different parts of New York and so my, I had like 30 to one hour commute every every day mm -hmm. and back and I loved not having to drive. Yeah. I would get on the subway and start working. I'd, I'd be preparing my mind for that day. I'd be yeah. um, going through notes and thinking about stuff. Yeah. I like that. I, I wish too. I didn't have to drive. Self-driving cars will bring that pretty soon. It's true. So should we go to conspiracy theory about how Southern, Southern California used to have public transportation and that it was bought up and, and uh, retired and it, it was by the, the automobile companies? Do you know about those stories? Well, your first question was, should we? <laughs> yeah. My answer is no. Yeah, okay. as interesting as that would be. Interesting as it would be, it has little to do to. with episode six. Yeah. <laughs> Let's read this list. Number four. <laughs> Draw during lunch breaks. I want to read a comment that's related to that one. Okay. It's from Daniel Quat. My lunch is for drawing. I leave my desk, go outside, and eat my sack lunch on the way to a spot where I draw. Bam, there's 20 minutes if it's a half hour lunch, 50 minutes if it's a full hour. Changing the scenery is important to me. Even if it's raining, I'd walk to my car or walk to a nearby Starbucks and get the cheapest thing on the menu and draw there. I like that. That's, a, that's insightful. That's yeah. Do oh. you, you don't need an hour to eat. And you can choose what you do with that. You could just relax. Like if, you're, if your job is tough or you need a break in the middle of the day from it and you kind of rejuvenate, maybe that it's a good idea to take breaks because that's also a good thing to do is to take breaks. And to change the environment. Yeah. Oh, that was good. That, the changing environment part is great. But if you, if your job is your main goal in life and you're trying to find time to do that thing that you want to do and you're having a hard time finding time during the day, then using 20 to 50 minutes during lunch to do that is a great chunk of time. When you add up your year of lunches, what is that? Let's assume that you have an hour lunch, 50 minutes a day. How many work days in a, in a year? Well, let's see, if 50 weeks at five days a week times 50 minutes is 12,500 minutes 12 divided by 60, that's 200 hours, 200, 200 hours. hours. If you divide that by eight hours, that's 26 full days. That's a month of full time drawing. That's incredible. One month just by inserting drawing during your lunch break. It sounds, you've sold me on it. This comment was gold. Yeah. I think people would skip over this comment not thinking it's... Now, if you're, you know, if you're, there are going to be people who are of the mindful eating 
concern that are going to give a counterpoint to this. Well, then mindful eating is important to them and there you go. That's great. Do that. Okay. But if <laughs> if becoming a great artist is really important to you, more important than mindful eating, yeah. then this is a great hack. You're right. And you I did the math and you proved it. Thank you, Daniel Quatt. Or Q-A-T. I don't know. It's C-U-A-T-T. Case closed. Yeah, case I closed. Rest. Screw you guys. Wow. All you non-believers. <laughs> Schedule hacked. Schedule hacked. All right. <clears throat> the next oh. one. Draw on the toilet. <laughs> okay, let's calculate that. Oh, let's no. assume you poop for 50 minutes a day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not going to go there. That's another month that we just got back. You're just going to erase all of the body functions. <laughs> no so more sleeping, no more pooping or you've eating. You've got too much work to do. And how will you be remembered? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Minimize time on phone, obviously. Yeah. You could probably do that same amount. Of, it's probably even more. You're probably on your phone doing useless stuff more than you are eating lunch. So why do people not minimize their time on their phone? Dopamine. Is it, did you get a connection? I'm talking to somebody, we're talking, talking, talking. You get that instant dopamine, right? Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, you know, these companies pay billions of dollars to make them as addictive as possible. They're the new cigarettes. Mm -hmm. There's entire teams of people dedicated to making them as addictive as possible. Huh. When we're battling against that, Who's going to win? It makes sense. Yeah. I'd like to go back to the flip phone. <laughs> Sean just transitioned from flip phone to smartphone. <laughs> Did he really? Like two months ago. Yeah. It's yeah. Brand new. Did he really? I never knew that. Yeah. He always, he never, he never admitted it. He, he always hit it. I always thought yeah. he had a smartphone. And he hasn't been coming to work as often. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> I don't know if they're related. Well, he relied on Melanie. Yeah, she was his app. Oh, oh yeah, he had it's a, true. Yeah, he, had her, I yeah. would be like, hey, set an alarm, Sean. You're going to forget this. Yeah. And he would text his wife yeah. to set an alarm on and her phone. Take care of it. Yeah. And then when the alarm goes off on her phone, to text him back. That's great. It's great to not have a cell phone, but have somebody who wants who one. Who has one. Yeah. So who's she there she to takes help the hit of smoking the cigarettes. Yeah. That's right. And that way everybody can say they're so cool. Yeah. They weren't even aware the other person wasn't doing the smoking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number seven, have tools everywhere. Reduce friction. That's this. We had that same advice before. Okay. This one you liked. Cook once per week. Did I say I like that? You you highlighted it. Oh, I guess green. I did, didn't I? The I, comment was from Keeper Plus. Um, he or she said, make, make dinner and lunches in one cooking lesson session, one cooking session for the week. Yeah. I know some people do that, but some people really enjoy cooking. That's right. You can say this about anything. If you enjoy doing it, make it your ritual. Then yeah. If you yeah. enjoy doing it, then great. That It's your life. Enjoy your life. But yeah. if cooking is not something you care about, batch it. I do that. You I, do? Oh, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I don't. I, I don't cook, but like I'll go to Costco and I'll get cashews and raisins and cranberries and all sorts of other things and I'll make my own kind of granola and put it into little bags and I'll keep them in a separate refrigerator. And so your that yogurt there's, packs that you keep in your pocket? Yeah. You have one on you? No, I don't have one on me. <laughs> but the, that way, I, it takes me, I might spend an hour to do it. I enjoy, it's something I can listen to music or listen to a podcast while I'm doing it because it's monkey work. 
Yeah. And then I've, for that semester, anytime I go anywhere, I grab that and I know that at least I will have food with me. Yeah. So yeah, it's nice. It, it saves time. But this takes it a step further and it's like, make your meals once per it week. It does. It Not takes it further. snacks. That's right. I know your snacks are your meals. Kind of. Kind of. But yeah, that, that is it. It's You're consolidating. Why not? Why spread it out if you're not enjoying it? Why not do it once? And yeah. that way you gain a little more time. Well, you found the ultimate hack. Don't eat meals. Yeah. <laughs> Just eat snacks. <laughs> it works. Then you don't have a lunch and you don't have to cook. Yeah. Boom. Both things cut out of your life. That is genius. I actually have new appreciation for your yogurt. Well, thanks. It's, it's after all of the, uh, the grief over it. <laughs> all right. Learn and honor your most productive times. Mm. I like that. That's one of the ones, though, about not getting up early, is that there are some right. people who function well at night. Yes. So go to bed late. I love to go to bed know late. Know thyself. It's not always about waking up early. There's an advantage to waking up early. And it's socially more mainstream. Yeah. And like, it's like some of these have the opposite for other people. It's like listening to music. For you, it's not listening to anything. It's the opposite. <laughs> no, I take your point, but yeah. you got the, the facts wrong. Oh, but okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people say listening to podcasts while they work. I find that weird as hell. I don't yeah. know how you can listen to someone talk and think about something else. Yeah. But again, if it's, if it's monkey work, you can do it. Let me tell you a story. Okay. This happened today. Tell me. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Actually. Not really embarrassing, but... So, okay, so I got a haircut this morning. Uh-huh. I turned on Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. Yeah. As soon as I got into the car. It's revisionist history. Love it. And I started driving. And I got really into the podcast. Of course. It's a great podcast. 30 minutes later... I realize I'm going on the 163 North instead of the 163 South. I've just gone 30 minutes off route. I know what you I mean. I was so into it. I did not even know where I was. Then I was like, crap, I need to turn around now. I'm going to be late. So I turned around. But when I got there, or when I got to the area where I was supposed to exit, mm -hmm. I skipped. I totally missed the exit because I was into the next episode already. Yeah. <laughs> And I kept going for like a mile. And I was like, oh my God, I missed it. I had to turn around again. Yeah. Where was I going with this? Uh, that, that, that you're oh. so involved in one thing that you're <laughs> neglecting the thing you're doing, which with driving right. can be a life and death thing. I was so into listening. How can I do anything else? I do not understand how anyone can li listen to our podcast or any podcast and also draw. Yeah. Because I can't even drive. I mean, I can drive. <laughs> I was driving, but I was just driving straight i couldn't navigate yeah i know what you mean and that is i was late to my haircut that is exactly the argument for the kind of work you're doing how much concentration does it take and if it takes a lot of concentration don't have distractions yeah this is simple wisdom <laughs> i appreciated it too and it makes me realize i'm not the only one who does that but i do it when there's no podcast going on I do it because I get caught up. <laughs> you in a, do it because you're I do, old. I get, no, I get caught up in a train of thought, uh, and I'm thinking I do through things. And yeah, I have no idea where I am. Better to have someone else drive. Uh, just start mini habits. That's the whole five minute thing. Start for five minutes, and then you might keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the last one is reward yourself. 
Huh. Set a goal. And if you get to that goal, you can take a break. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, yeah. If you if you get this done, yeah, then you get this reward. You get to play yeah. the Xbox for however long or whatever else. Yeah. If you fasted for these two days, you can now eat a six course meal. Yeah. It's the candy on a stick, or what's on the stick? The carrot on the stick. Carrot. Yeah. Carrot. Yeah, donkey. It's a carrot. It's a carrot. Yeah. Someone said neglecting my loved ones. I thought that was one that's probably effective. Mm -hmm. to get things done mm -hmm. I would not advise it especially if they're your loved ones well that's literally what this person said yeah <laughs> but <laughs> neglecting neglecting uh, family obligations oh when a lot of the family's job may be to make sure you don't succeed as an artist mm. whether they are aware of it consciously or whether it's working under the surface let's schedule Toxic a lot of environments things. yeah if you're neglecting then, a toxic environment, that's a different story. That's right, which yeah. that often is uh, is necessary. Hiding in the bathroom at work to do a quick sketch. Hmm. I know you do that, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. It's where I create my masterpieces. I got a camera. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> okay. Episode seven. Oh, this was the how have multiple disciplines hurt or helped you with your art? Yeah. And PLP Anika says. Should I read it? Yeah. Creative outlets are like reading. People will always tell you to expand your knowledge through them, and people will always tell you to try new types. Some people don't like to read more than one book at a time. Some people are always reading too. Some people think the more the merrier, and the same goes for artistic and creative outlets. Well-spoken, PLP, yeah. Anika. Great analogy. That's that episode. I guess it just all comes <laughs> down to the personal preference. Yeah, pretty much. Everyone has different needs. Their People's minds work differently. Okay. So... All right, should I talk about episode eight and 11? Please. Episode eight was about unsupportive environments and how you deal with the unsupportive environment. Assuming it's a family, but it can be other things too, maybe a work environment. Episode 11 was about Raphael's frustration with himself, wanting to do better and not getting the kind of results that he wanted to get. People had so much advice for Raphael that it probably made the problem 20 times worse <laughs> because now I've got everybody giving me advice and we invited it. I take responsibility. I was getting advice for Raphael. People had advice <laughs> for Raphael. Poor Way Raphael. Raphael, oh I apologize. Uh, and one of the things though, though in supportive environment, Wow, it tapped a nerve. There are just unbelievable amounts of things that granted that people are giving some kind of objective truth about where they were raised is how many horrible things go on in families and in lives in this world of just crushing a kid to make sure that they are not going to become an artist. So Stan didn't read these things. He said, I'm going to turn them over to you. Am I being too hard on you? Am I being abusive? <laughs> he, he said there was too much of it. And so I said, I'll take those on. I'll take on with the nurturing spirit. And did you? I, I read every one of eight and 11. I did not read all of the ones on the right side on the brain because too many of them Well, you read. know what, Marshall? <laughs> I did all the other episodes. Whoa, okay. One oh, through 23. I, I took on... The heartbreaking stuff. Okay. And afterward, you're better at that than me. I afterward, I felt like I don't have anything to say. I am just so sorry for 
how many bad things have happened in your environment and I hope you can get through them. But I do think that if you read through what some people, some people had success stories. Some people, because their families treated them badly, they had something to prove and they told their story. Might not have been huge successes, but it was successes. Those were the kind of things where were these little bits of, of streams in the harshness of the desert of family unsupportiveness. Now, I think that Raphael's concern about a lack of motivation, we have responded to it so much that there comes a point where we've got to lay this to rest because there's, I mean, as far as a topic on the podcast, because there just comes a point where there's not much more that anyone can do for the person who is lacking motivation. I didn't used to have any empathy for people who lack motivation because I was so motivated. By the time I was 18, 19, all through my 20s, all through my 30s, I was so motivated. And then life crises started to thrash that. But one of the things I saw and that I also got out of therapy is that nobody else can fix those. Those are things that the person who is dealing, that I, in dealing with a lack of motivation, have got to deal with. So support groups, people, community is the most valuable thing that is going to help you through it if you've got healthy friendships and people that you are bringing a lot to who can also help bring something to, to you, which may be to just accept the fact that you're not motivated and that it might last a few years. Apart from friendships and finding new family and community, which would, would have to be the best salve for the wound. Uh, apart from that, the next thing would be to gather role models and stories of people who have done it. I want to tell this story. I used to have students come into the beginning of the story classes to share what the stories were that meant the most to them. And that was how I got exposed to so much of you know, in the last 20 some years of, of what young people pay attention to with stories. One of my students was raised in Orange County, homeless, with a single mother. He had siblings. And he explained that when his mother had enough money to afford it, she would buy him Sonic Hedgehog comic books. Cool. Which I never knew anything about them. I knew the name, but didn't know what they were. And so he had the covers of the different Sonic Hedgehog uh, covers that uh, stories that meant so much to him and he said one of the main things that kept him going through a childhood homeless on the streets of the OC was that Sonic always pulled through at the end of the story and he felt in his kidly identification with this protagonist if Sonic can do it so can I so that was what he shared with the group and the writers, I, I, would, I would hope that the writers of it who took the responsibility of what storytellers call protagonist responsibility. You don't make that ending happen accidentally. You make that ending happen because the protagonist rose to the occasion, sacrificed what they need to do to make it so it's a meaningful ending. Mm -hmm. If they were to know that there was some kid that it was that important to him that he would make that report in his class. There is where we un, uh, open up. When you have community, when you have uh, people that are supportive, they will usually tell you their stories. They'll usually try to give you something to grip. A story is something to grip. And collecting 
biographies of people whom you admire, especially, but not the puff biographies, not the uh, biographies that all they're going to do is say what a great thing, what a, what a nice thing, how, how all this worked well. The ones that are going to really zero in on what the struggles were and the crises in this person's life, since we all have those. Then you have got your own crises, which may be a lack of motivation, a lack of ability to get my skill up to the game, and you pay attention to what others do and you start to ingest this rhythm of how a person gets through the crises. In fact, this course, one of the great courses, Building Your Resilience, Finding Meaning in Adversity by Molly Burkholm. I'm only six or seven lectures into it. But the second lecture in there is the adaptation of Christopher Vogler's book, The Writer's Journey, where he took that hero's journey stuff. And she points out that if in a course on building your resilience, the first thing we're going to deal with, or at least the second lecture, is going to be that the pattern of resilience is the classic story the classic story structure of what people call the hero's journey, which is that you've got an ordinary world, you've got a call to an adventure, you say, not for me, thank you. Then you have a meeting with a mentor, then you have to go out and cross the threshold. This is the first time you've done it alone, going to school with your parents not being there, going to the potty for the first time, going out to gather the trash on your own, all the scares. Then you're going to have tests, allies, and enemies. Eventually, you're going to come to the point where there's an ordeal that you've got to defeat the dragon and then it isn't over yet you've got the road home toy story followed this very literally where you think it's over and then they've got the road home where the real huge crises happen and then you find the new normal the resurrection the return with the elixir uh now woody and buzz get along with each other you can say it's a universal pattern it's not necessary but it is a universal pattern that this cycle, which doesn't just happen in going to kindergarten, it happens over and over and over in our lives, she points to this as a resource for something that can give us meaning for struggling with the stuff that Raphael was struggling with and that other people have struggled with. It is not an easy answer, but it's as simple as I know, once you've taken away, I don't have the people I need. We need the people most. Well, there's another thing. You can have examples of people or even of characters who can inspire you to get through it. So that would, if I was going to sum it all up in saying to all of these things that are for therapists, because I am not a licensed therapist and I don't know psychology, but everybody's got these issues they're coming to us because we've got a podcast and they're saying, please help me. I've got an impossible environment and we can't do it, but we can point to some resources. Speaking of therapists, I was listening to This American Life and it was an episode called 10 Sessions. Mm -hmm. um, and it was about a type of trauma treatment that one of the reporters did mm -hmm. and she recorded every session really yeah this it's called it's cpt it's cognitive processing treatment i know what that is yes okay um it's usually done like 10 or 12 sessions so it's a mm -hmm. very quick program mm -hmm. it's not like going to your therapist for years and years and just talking about stuff it's a very specific plan a thing that it's a program they take you through 
that reprograms your mind of how you think about that traumatic event mm-hmm. that happened to you. Yes. Um, I thought the episode was great. I don't know if I recommend the treatment program. I've never done it, so I don't know. But I at least listened to the episode. I thought it was a great podcast. The episode. This American Life this episode. American Life. And do you know what the title is? It was called 10 Sessions. 10 Sessions. Yeah, it was okay. a recent episode within yeah. the last few months. You've listened to that? I've, I've listened to it. And yeah. my best friend's wife does that treatment for veterans. Oh, really? Yeah. For uh, PTSD? Yeah. Oh, cool. And she gets great results with that. Nice. Also, another podcast, um, Invisibilia, has a lot of episodes that are kind of related to this kind of thing. There's not one specific one I'd recommend, but just scroll through their episodes and, and you'll find some stuff that could maybe help you guys. There's another great course that I just finished called Making Stress Work For You by Kimberly Bethany Bonura, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Okay. And I went through the whole thing and it was it was very good. It was not a, a long series, but it was true to its name. It was that you're gonna have stress. Stress isn't necessarily bad. Too much of it can ruin you. But if there's a way that you can take the stress in your life and turn it into fuel, that's mm-hmm. the shortest synopsis I can give of it. But these two courses, Making Stress Work For You and Building Your Resilience, uh, came out around the same time. They were both dealing with the same thing. And those are separate podcasts, separate topics. Cool. I'm interested in 10 sessions. Are there any specific comments you want to bring up about episode eight? Because I mean, you have a lot of things highlighted. Let's see. I, Do you I, want to skim through real quick and just... I have a lot of things up. highlighted, but yeah. they were mainly sympathy. Oh, Stan Marshall, I know you guys aren't psychologists, but please, if you've had any experience or know anyone who overcame mental illness to pursue their dreams of being an artist, can you please talk about it? I need hope. Thanks. Well, you get the idea. Uh, and I did mention that I don't know the technical definition of mental illness, but I have seen people who, who uh, fully overcame things in radical ways, sometimes by a religious experience, often by a religious experience. Carl Jung, who considered himself a man of science, encouraged at least one of his patients to seek a religious experience. But I'm not recommending that I do want to tell you about one guy that I knew who was chronically late it may not be a mental illness but it's certainly an issue I mean he was late for everything and I remember my therapist explaining that chronic lateness is passive aggression usually it is to say you can't make me be on time. I will be, I will not be on time. It's to not really? be on time is a way to do it your way, not the way other people are doing it. The more I've thought about it, the more I see that there is something to that. It is passive. They might not even be knowing that they're consciously doing it because it's passive. And nevertheless, it gives other people trouble. So it's aggressive. Anyway, this guy was late for everything over a period of years, everybody referred to him as that. And then at one point, and I don't know what happened. It's like what you mentioned earlier. There must have been something that happened in there. He completely changed his energy. He was in his mid-20s. He completely changed his energy, and he was always on time for everything out of that. So I don't know. I can't tell you what happened that somebody touched him and, and that it made a difference or that he had a moment of reflection or he saw a blinding light. But I did see it happen, and so it reminds me those kind of turnarounds can happen. Mm-hmm. What goes on inside, I don't know. That's where you try to work that out with the people in your community, with your therapist. 
how much do you think being late is about it being difficult to change what you're doing? You know what I mean? Like, remember we were talking about how it's hard to start. It's also hard to stop. Just the fact that you have to change what you're doing and stop what you're doing to do that next thing. Yeah. Here's how you know that it's not passive aggression. Okay. You cover for it with the people who are depending on you. You let them know, I'll drive myself. I'm going to be an hour late. You know, don't count on me. Uh, you, you cover for it so that you are doing them the service. Now, let me tell you another story. Gosh, this is going to be a seven-hour episode, but this one is worth mentioning because when you've got someone who is uh, chronically late, then we have the response. If, if I'm not the one who's chronically late, but I got somebody in my life who's co- chronically late, then I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to start without them, to end the relationship, or to say, it's worth it. It's like my friend eating pizza when he's off on all of these, uh, these health kicks. Because I had a guy in my life who was so valuable to me, he helped me in a number of ways and he was always late and he wasn't a little bit late. If he said he'd be there at seven, we're gonna work through the night tonight, he'd be there at seven, he'd sometimes be there as late as 10. But it would always be like 8.30 or nine. And so I'd just find out when he was going to plan on being here and I'll figure don't count on him being there at all until to find something you can do to fill in the time. But when he was there, then I'd start to find out why he was always late. Is that I would explain something and he'd write it all down and he'd think it through and he'd give me his feedback on it and he'd make sure it got into his action items of the things to do. And I'd present a problem with him and he'd mull over that problem and he'd obsess over that problem. So when he was with people, he was 100% present no matter how long it took. And it's what you said. It's what all the other world is going on out there. I might be expected somewhere. So I took it as, I thought this guy is, is gold, but sometimes gold is heavy to deal with. Sometimes it can knock you in the head. Sometimes it can give you trouble, but I want to prize him in spite of Because I, I, I sensed he was never gonna change. Right. And it wasn't my job to change him, but it was just to plan around that person's quirk. And changing him might weaken his strength. That's right. The absent-minded professor is absent-minded because they've got their mind on the thing they're dealing with. Yeah. So yes, that I, 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 fortunately, that happened when I was uh, getting into my 50s. I was aware that this guy's great and be okay with the fact that he'll never be there when he says he is. So that's where our responsibility of how do we deal with people who are yeah. abusive or neglectful or whatever else. Man, this episode is a person with ADD's dream. <laughs> We're just going all over the place. Jam pack it with stories. Gonna have lists So will this wazoo. be our longest podcast or should we break yeah, this one into two? Yeah, it's the finale, Marshall. We're, we're almost through this one, yeah, Marshall. we're at the home stretch. Episode nine was tell us your portfolio viewing horror stories or success stories, but who cares about those? Okay. Uh, I only pulled one. Michael Halbert says, early in my freelance career, I spent $6,000 and a ton of my time to have five custom portfolios made. My illustrations have a woodcut look, so I had books made that look like they were made in the 1400s they changed my career however those books are useless now nobody lets freelancers bring in or send in portfolios today it's all about your website and social media 
I think that's interesting. He spent $6,000 on five copies of his portfolio. But he probably made really awesome looking books. Yeah. I wonder if he could alternate or like take the stuff out and put it in. Uh, or they're yeah. like permanently embedded into this woodcut thing. I wonder if we could contact him and he could show us. I, so yeah, I would like to here. see yeah. these because that's over a thousand. That's $1,200 each. Uh, yeah, but I'm not surprised because it used to be, even in, in my time in the early late 70s, early 80s, that you have to pay a hundred bucks to get a good color print made. It had to be done. There's a special one process print. for to get one print you could yeah. pay 20 or 30 yeah. bucks and get less good quality well what kind of print are we talking about like there are prints of if you did color work and you couldn't put the original in there yeah and the, the, it, within the next 10 years the prices w started to go down uh, radically but the reason why you had to spend that much money is because normal color copies were just they were awful they you, you couldn't put your portfolio in there so you figure mm. this is a this is a capital investment in my portfolio yeah. Okay. and yeah it was uh it was a whole different world it's hard to remember that it was, you know, what it was like. I try to figure out what it was like, you know, before cell phones. Well, but now he's on social media and he's got a website. Yeah. So. Never and easier. That reminds me, you know, I get at least one message per week from people on Twitter or Instagram or whatever telling me to tell you. To have an Instagram. To get, a, to, to get social media accounts. I have Facebook. You have Facebook, but... No one cares about Facebook anymore. I know. Facebook has, has lost a lot of the, the best people. Um, also, by the way, because there's, I cannot say yes to everybody who requests Facebook. If, if you, I don't know who you are and you're requesting Facebook, let me know who you are and that you, you know, from a, the Draftsman podcast. Are you going to at least create a Proco account? It's going to be a social network. Yeah, for Proco 2.0. You, you mean Proco for Proco 2.0? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. You're going to be on social media. Yeah, I'll be on social media. Are you if, going to transition to Instagram and Twitter? I would transition. To, I might transition to Proco 2.0 from Facebook because Facebook is not doing a lot for me and I try to stay away from I'm surprised you're not on Twitter. Uh, but if I you were You seem on, like the perfect person for Twitter. Okay. but let Not me, Facebook. Let me tell you why I'm not on Twitter Yeah, and why I'm not on Instagram. Uh -huh. You know how some people give up cooking and some people yeah. give up mindful eating and some people Screw give that. up sleep. That's just stuff we say to make an episode and yeah. then we go on and we go on, your, on our phones. No. No? No. Oh. Uh, I, if I, as soon as I, I would love to get involved with it, but there's only so many things I can do. And right now yeah. my priorities uh, mean that uh, that would distract me. Mm -hmm. So when it's consolidating, when doing Twitter is actually doing uh, helping something else, and then that, well, that helps the Twitter. Marshall, if you give up drawing for fifty minutes a day, I could do Twitter. You could do a full month of tweeting in a year. You're not selling me on it. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. I will. If there's a way, hey, if there's a way that it can, I know that it's going to contribute to my income because that's a big deal. I live in Orange County. If it's going to contribute to my Dang, income. Dang, you're all about money. I, I, un unfortunately, out. I should not be. Sell out, Marshall. But that is, it's not a sellout. It's a choice of which <laughs> things I'm going to do for money. We're on the last question and then. Uh, What's the last question? You'll have to come back next week, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. For the second half. And we'll have more and more and more. Go ahead. Episode 10 was, what's your favorite anatomy book? Mm. <laughs> Someone said, 
Omphalos by Kim Jong Gi. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Do you know what that is? No. Kim Jong Gi has a naughty book. Oh. Well, all of them are naughty. Yeah, all, all but of them. He has are. the naughty. I've got of the his regular sketchbooks. He has okay. one where he they took all his naughtiest of the naughties. Okay. And put them in one naughty book. The okay. naughtiest of the naughties. So yes. that's one <laughs> listener's favorite. So it's a lot. Pretty much just everyone just having sex. Okay. In every on every page of his book. Okay. Yeah, and that's and he's saying that's his favorite anatomy book. Someone else also said, <laughs> "My boyfriend." My boyfriend. That was you. Is it? No, that was not me. No, you didn't. <laughs> Although Charlie's name just showed up, I noticed oh. that he's clicking. Oh, because you're clicking on the Google like, Doc. No. You put the cursor there, <laughs> and, and your your name shows up. Yeah, it's funny. Your your name did show up. Okay. Oh, I'm logged in as Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> that was Charlie. me. This is how he does it. That's what it he was. He uses avatars. He <laughs> That's puts... great. I was like, wait, Charlie's not in here. Oh, he is. It's me. <laughs> great job. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Two other people said. Carlos Rue says your ebooks. It's my, my ebooks. And Obi Wan Kenobi says my favorite anatomy book is anatomy book is Proko's PDFs from anatomy course printed and put together. Amen. You're tearing up, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe I should just take it from here because you're feeling uncomfortable. No, I want to say it's really nice to have someone bring it up. Yeah. And put some light on it, give some acknowledgement to the ebooks because most people don't even know about the ebooks. Yeah. Because it's purely premium. None okay. of the ebooks are f available for free. It's a premium feature that people only that, you know, mm -hmm. only people that buy the anatomy course get. And we spend a long time on the on the ebooks. I know you do. They're they look great. They have all the stuff that are that in the videos condensed. And so it's nice. It's nice that people are acknowledging them as good books. And it's hopeful that they'll actually buy premium to get them. Yeah, I think they're great. I love the PDFs. I don't know why they didn't come up in our discussion. I guess because they aren't actually printed as a book yet. Not yet. But they will. They will one day. Be. Not soon. Okay. Marshall, I think that's it. It sure seems like it. Let's say goodbye for now. Okay. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Yes. I hope you guys are enjoying the 12 days of Proco. And if you are still awake, if you have <laughs> managed to get through this, give us five stars if you feel yes! like it. Yes! <laughs> yes! Woo! Woo! There's my main ad reader doing his job. Okay. Marshall did an amazing job doing our... 12 day or doing the um the black, black friday. friday ad this yeah. year we had a limited budget uh limited time yeah. he's the one take wonder well we're done we're done uh, thank you everybody comment what? for this Com video? no there's no, no comment no, comments. no comments <laughs> comment what's your favorite comment yeah from today's comments wow <laughs> malkovich, malkovich, no, come on that's, malkovich, a, that's malkovich, lame malkovich 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 we done see you okay. guys later oh you know what yeah. The whole idea of us encouraging people to leave five-star reviews. Yeah. So, you've gotten really good at it. Thanks. And uh, I just realized it's completely pointless. Why? <laughs> oh, because it's, it's done. It's completely pointless. It means nothing. 
for the algorithm. Okay, well now, yeah. It means a lot for the people reading it and it gives us yeah. validity. It, it points from listeners that, you know, if someone is thinking about, hey, should I listen to this podcast? They'll see the reviews and be like, wow, five okay. stars all over the place. But for iTunes algorithm to promote your podcast, they do not look at reviews or ratings. No, they don't look at reviews either, like the presence of a certain amount of reviews. Nope. I, I was listening to a podcast. <laughs> I've, I've mentioned this one before. It's Darknet Diaries. Mm -hmm. And he had an episode yeah. about this. Uh -huh. And basically, people have been cheating the system, getting on the, the top 100 all the time, even when they have like no listeners. They're able to get onto the top 100. They have zero reviews. It, it Just by subscribing and hitting download on every episode and doing that for, and making like, it look like everybody's doing you could even everyone's hire people subscribing to, to and it. downloading and you do that with like a hundred accounts and you just like skyrocket <laughs> and it's it only takes like a hundred accounts so you can create a hundred fake accounts and l subscribe to our podcast and like every, and, and download every episode it seems so <laughs> awful though it, seems, it is it's horrible it, it, it seems pitiful yeah to to and Apple still hasn't fixed this. Well. So let's use this to our advantage. If you've been storing up <laughs> a lot kidding. of passive aggressive energy, now you can give us all those negative reviews. You have permission. Yeah, it's fine. Oh. I don't care anymore. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it matters to me. Whoa. I think Santa just fell oh. off the roof. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Okay. Leave some five stars anyway. We like those five stars. And please like and comment in the YouTube, the YouTubes. Mar we lost Marshall. Uh, Marshall this episode is gone. way too long.